0: Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you will. We're going to look at verses 21 through 23. This is our next to last message in the Sermon on the Mount series. We have been in this series for some time now, and this is the next to last message in the series and we're dealing today with false hopes. Uh, The last uh, message we dealt with false prophets and today we're looking at false hopes and there are people living in our world and maybe even in our midst with false hopes concerning eternal life. We want our hopes not to be false but we want them to be founded uh, hopes. Uh, George Dixon was a lieutenant in the Confederate Army who carried uh, around with him a $20 gold piece that his fiance had given him in the early days of the war. And during the Battle of Shiloh, a Union musket ball struck him. Actually, it struck the gold coin where he was carrying it, and uh, that gold coin saved his life. And from that point forward, that dented uh, gold coin went with him wherever he went. It was his good luck piece. Lieutenant Dixon took the coin into the CSS Hunley, a Confederate submarine that he uh, staunchly believed could break the Union blockade, and after sinking the USS uh, Housatonic, the Hunley herself sank, and it took Lieutenant (coughs) Dixon and his crew to their death. Just a few years ago, the coin, uh, the the submarine was raised, and the coin was found that uh, that Lieutenant Dixon carried on him that same gold coin that had been struck at the battle of Shiloh and uh, this was a testimony of the fact that Lieutenant Dixon was indeed on the uh, the ship but it was also a testimony that the the gold coin couldn't save him. He had a a false hope. He had a dead hope in the uh, gold coin being able to rescue him. And we're going to look at that today what it means to have a false hope. Specifically, what Jesus said about having a false hope regarding eternal life. There are people who are clinging to false hopes of one kind or another. Uh, the most dangerous of false hopes are those that affect our eternity. And that is the warning from Jesus as he begins to bring to a close the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus reveals the futility of those who have false hopes. He speaks of a day to come as that day he calls it, and we're going to see that there are some people that are hanging a lot of hope on that day, but they may not be hanging their hopes on the right thing regarding that day. Hear the words of Jesus as he warns of that day and the hopes that are associated with it. Matthew twenty one and verses uh, uh, Matthew seven twenty one and verse through verse twenty three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." Now, I've been familiar with these words for really about as long as I can remember preaching. Uh, When I say that, as long as I can remember someone else preaching. The reason I'm so familiar with these words is because my father was a preacher, and he often spoke these words. He often (coughs) quoted Jesus in this, and I can still hear my dad say from the pulpit. And uh, the church that I grew up in was a church that had uh, you've heard of, of an amen corner uh, we had an amen corner over here on on one side and and we had another corner on the other side we referred to it as the a women corner but it was just there was men on one side and women on the other and then everybody else out in the, in the middle but uh, my daddy was a, um, a kind of an old-fashioned preacher and I can still hear him say and I, I have the voice of my father if you wonder what my father sounded like he sounds like I do Or he sounded like I do. And uh, I can hear my daddy to this day say, Depart from me. I never knew you. I can hear him saying that. You just heard my daddy say that. That's exactly the way that he said it. I'm going to tell you this. Every time he said it, it sent a cold chill down my spine. Because I knew that he was quoting the words of Jesus. No one wants to stand before God and hear those words, Depart from me, I never knew you. And so we start today with this, a somber warning. Verse 21 of our text again, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Uh, This has been, Jesus has been speaking of the severity of judging others. Uh, He has been uh, talking about asking and receiving, the golden rule and a fruit-bearing tree. And now he has moved in as of the last message that we covered, the previous verses and and these, into a, a very sharp tone and a somber warning, a somber warning about false prophets and a somber warning about false hopes. Let's look first of all at what I refer to as a fatal declaration. And the declaration is very clear. There are people walking this earth under the impression that God is going to weigh the good against the bad. And at the end, everything is going to be okay. Now let me just pause and say this. I hope that none of you are among those people. But I suspect that some, maybe many of you are. We get this idea that God is going to weigh the good against the bad. And when everything balances out, we're going to be okay. Here's the problem. The Bible says concerning us, there's none that does good, no, not one. You say, now wait just a minute. <clears throat> I do good. I do good things. You may do good things compared to other body, uh, somebody else. But in comparison to God, you do not do good things. One thing that uh, concerning one of the, uh, the terrorist uh, in in Boston was their father said of the son that was living he is an angel he is a good boy he is an angel now none of us here would think that someone who would would uh, carry out an act of terrorism and resulting in such mayhem and such loss of life and and limb uh, would be a a good boy uh, would be an angel but I'm just saying to you that we all have this tendency to compare ourselves and and our goodness to that of other people that we know. The problem with that is this. We enter heaven based on God's goodness. We do not enter heaven based on our own goodness. We go to heaven based on something else, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And according to the Bible, there are none of us who are righteous. No, not one. Now, over my lifetime, I've met hundreds of people who have the, the idea that the good is going to be weighed against the bad, and they're going to be okay. The declaration from Jesus is that there will be people who think that they are on their road to eternity who are in no way going to live in His presence at the end of this life. Now, that is a frightening, sobering reality. The criteria that God has placed on our eternal status is very simple. We must be born again. And and I have to ask this question. Why is it that anyone would try any other route to heaven when the right route, the correct route, is the simplest one? That is, to be born again. Why would anyone say, well, I know that, but what I want to do is I want God to weigh the good against the bad. You don't want God to do that. You say, well, I just want to try and earn my way to heaven. You don't want to try and earn your way to heaven. I mean, you may say that, and, and honestly, I think this, I think it's people's pride that says such things because somehow or another, their pride and ego thinks that they've, they've got what it takes to, uh, for the Lord to uh, take them to heaven. But the reality is Jesus said, you've got to be born again. And he made that a very clear to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter three and verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, when we were born into this world, and forgive the medical reference, but when our mother's water broke, we were born of water into this world. Now, when we were born again, we were born by the Holy Spirit of God. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. And the Bible says that flesh and blood shall not eternal uh, inherit eternal life. So there must be something that is not of flesh that in inherits eternal life. What is it? It's our spiritual man. When we are born of the Spirit, born again. And unless there's come a time and place in your life and in my life where we have put our faith and found ourselves guilty before God and placed our trust only in Jesus Christ as our only hope for salvation, then the truth is that we are living under a false or a futile confession. No one wants to live like that. According to Jesus, there are people who with their own mouths declare him to be Lord, but have never entered into a faith relationship with him. Here's what that means. That means that you can join a church and never have entered into a faith relation with Jesus Christ. That means that you can go to youth camp, yet never have entered into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. It means that you could actually teach Sunday school or or you could tithe or do any number of things that believers are supposed to do, yet you've never been born again. That's exactly. Jesus said that there are people who are going to say, Lord, Lord, we've done these things. Now let me tell you the difference between that person and a person who's saved. The person who is trying to do good things, hoping to get to heaven, is looking for insurance. The person who is born again has assurance. And there's a difference between insurance and assurance. Jesus isn't our insurance for heaven in case something else doesn't work out for us. He is our only assurance for heaven. Well, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to do all of these good works, and I'm going to do that. Oh, and I'm going to uh, be involved in church, and I'm going to uh, teach Sunday school and give just so I can have a little insurance. In fact, I've heard people say, I'm going to do that just for a little insurance. There is no insurance for heaven. There's only assurance for heaven. And the assurance for heaven is Jesus Christ. According to his own words, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And there is no other way to heaven except by him. He is the assurance for heaven. All confession without possession is futile. Now, you you must think about that. You must think to yourself, has there been a time in my life when I confessed the Lord, maybe joined the church, maybe got baptized, maybe um, begin to go to a Bible study, maybe begin to listen to Christian music on the radio? Has there been a time in my life where I made some resolution to be more uh, Christian, yet I have never entered into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ? You have to ask yourself, have I been born again? Now let me give you a few answers that you might give. Some would give the answer, yes, absolutely, positively, no question about it, been born again. And and that is a wonderful thing. And when you give that uh, answer, you understand that you have the assurance of heaven. Now, here's the way that other people answer. Some people will say, no, I've never been born again. Some people will say, I think so. Some people will say, I hope so. Some people will say, I... I don't know for sure. If any of these answers are yours, anything but yes, if you're, I hope, I think, I don't know or no, if any of those happen to be your answers, here's what Jesus would say to you this morning if he were standing here preaching the sermon that I'm preaching. He would say, you must be born again. He he would say, look, don't risk this. There's too much that's invested in this already. Uh, I gave my life on the cross of Calvary. I was crucified on the cross of Calvary. I was buried and I rose again the third day. I didn't do all of that so that you could work your way to heaven. I didn't do all of that so you would think that you're going to heaven or hope that you're going to heaven. I did that so that you would know that you're going to heaven. I did all of that so you would have the assurance of heaven. I would strongly urge you to examine your own heart and see if you have a faithful relationship with Jesus Christ. Those are the people that go to heaven. According, <clears throat> excuse me. According to the words of Jesus, those who have had a life-changing experience, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now recently, in a Wednesday night Bible study, I caution those in attendance from making certain kinds of statements. And if you're not involved in a a weekly Bible study, I would encourage you to come and and be with us on Wednesday nights at 7.05. But I I caution them about statements regarding whether or not someone was saved. I know that there are times when people say, I just don't see how they can be saved. I don't see how this person can be saved or how that person can be saved. We are not called to make judgment as to someone's salvation. We're not in a position to do so. That being said, each one of us can make this determination for ourselves. We know if the profession that we claim has resulted in a life-changing experience. We know if we have truly been born again. If, if I could crawl inside of your heart, get inside of your soul, and carry on a conversation with you deep down inside there and, and just speak on a very honest, uh, face to face level with your soul and say to you in your soul, do you know for sure that you're born again? Here's what you would answer. You would answer either yes or no. You wouldn't give me all those half answers. I hope so. I think so. Maybe so to the best of my knowledge or whatever, it would be either yes or no, because I believe in our heart of hearts In our deep inside, we know whether or not we've been born again. Now, this is about an honest relationship with God, not a relationship that tries to please those around us. Some people stay in this continual state of not being sure of their eternal life, and the reason that they do is because they don't want to disappoint or shock uh, the people around them. They don't want anybody around them to be surprised that they've not uh, got this settled in their own heart. There are a lot of people, that, and, and this, is, this is exactly what he said. Well, I, I never settled this because I was afraid of what people would think. Or I never settled this because I was, uh, I, I was too embarrassed to admit it. Uh, look, friends, there comes a day when some who say that they know Him will be revealed as never having known Jesus. And it's far worse than embarrassing. It is devastating when that day comes. I I would urge you to make a change in your understanding of salvation before it's too late. Now, Pastor Ray, are you are you trying to put all of us into hell? Not not in the least. Not even a little bit am I trying to do that. I'm just trying to bring you into a reality that there is coming a day when you will have to deal with the answer that you know in your heart of hearts. And if that day comes as in that day, as Jesus stated, then it's too late. It's just too late. Well, I think I'm going to wait until the last minute to get saved. When is the last minute? Did you see the picture of the little eight-year-old boy who was killed in Boston? There are a couple of pictures on the Internet of him. One where he's only got one front tooth and the other where he's got two front teeth. A little eight-year-old boy. The picture where he's only got two front teeth. Do you know when that picture was taken? It was taken only seconds before his life was gone. That picture was taken at the Boston Marathon as he waited for his daddy to cross the line. We say, Pastor Ray, nothing like that's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to happen to me <clears throat> other than this. When I was eight years old, I entered into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would fall in that category who would say, yes, I know that I'm going to heaven. Now, I'm just sharing with you today what Jesus shared with them in this Sermon on the Mount. And he started with this this somber, somber uh, warning. And then there's a sobering reality. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Now, there are two truths to consider here in verse 22. First of all is the day. The day has been thought about and had songs written about it, and is much discussed. But what is that day? Well, it's clearly a day of judgment. Is it the great white throne judgment where the lost are given their eternal punishment? Is it the day of judgment that comes at death when the lost discover that Jesus really meant what he said about being born again? Is it today? Is it right now as you hear this message and think about whether or not your sins have truly been forgiven. When is that day? Let me just say this about that day: it is not a reference to a the day of reward uh, that it is uh, is ahead for every believer. It's it's a much different day. It's the day of realization that what we had been hoping on and hoping for was a false hope. It's a day of reality. It's a day like Lieutenant Dixon faced when that submarine went down and he had his hopes in that coin and he said, this is my lucky coin, it kept me alive in Shiloh, now I'm going to hold on to this coin and it's going to keep me alive forever. There came that day for him where he realized, you know, I can't trust this coin. What is it that you are trusting in that is not Jesus Christ? What is it that you are trusting in, in hopes to get you to heaven? I'm trusting in the fact that I grew up in a Christian home. That that is a wonderful thing, and I'm so thankful for Christian homes, but that is not assurance that you'll be able to go to heaven at the end of this life. There is that day coming, and when that day comes, for many, there is the dilemma. This is what I find so difficult. The day in question finds some who have held some level of leadership in spiritual or religious circles, circles, and they face the dilemma of never having gotten the first question settled, and that is knowing Jesus Christ. It's evident that the references towards some who did work that they thought to be correct, only to discover that at the day of judgment, it had no foundation for their salvation. Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in your name? Ah, but here's the problem. You didn't touch first. Have you heard that, you, you remember that illustration that Coach Bowden gives? If you've heard him speak very much, you've heard him talk about how that he thought he'd hit a home run uh, when he was playing college ball and, and he, he rounded the bases, first, second, third base and he was coming into home. And uh, when he got into home, they they called him safe. And then the first baseman called for the ball, and the catcher threw the ball <clears throat> to the first baseman, and the first baseman took it, and he touched the bag, and the first base umpire called him out, and he said, Bowden, you never touched first, no home run. And then Coach Bowden goes on to say, That's the way that it is in our lives. If, if we do good works, if we uh, uh, preach in his name, if we do all of these things, yet we never touch first, we never deal with the primary thing, then we never make it to home. No one wants to come to church and, and hear a pastor say that, that people who may be preaching about heaven are not really saved, but the truth is, that unless you're born again, you're not really saved. You can be an unsaved orator and go to hell, or you can be some backwoods hacker who's been truly born again and go to heaven. It's not based on your ability, your intelligence, your skill, your preaching, the level of your service, how long you've worked at it, how shortly you've worked at it. It's based on whether or not we're born again into the family of God. We believe that, that, and the Bible teaches, that one must enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be accepted of the Father. God the Father looks on us in light of our relationship to His Son. How many of you have married children? Would you raise your hand? You have married children. All right. Here's the way that you look at that son-in-law or that daughter-in-law, especially at first. You looked at that son-in-law or that daughter-in-law in light of their relationship to your son or daughter, to your child. And if they love your child and they show love for your child and they sacrifice for your child and they are identified with your child, then they are identified with you. They may not be perfect. They may aggravate you sometime, but the reality is that as they are identified with your child, your son or daughter, they are identified with you. So it is with our salvation. When we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, we are approved of the Father because of our identity in Jesus Christ. What we do believe, and I assume you believe uh, this mostly, is that Jesus is the only way to have the relationship with the Father because he is the only begotten Son of the Father. God the Father looks on us to have a good relationship with him through his Son, Jesus Christ. If we have committed our lives to Jesus, we have eternal life. However, if we have said that we are committed to him, but we secretly know that we're not, we secretly know that we have a a relationship to him like we have a relationship to Costco or Sam's Club, that that we are just a, a member of his organization and we get certain perks with being a member of his organization, then here's the thing. God knows that. And and there is an issue with what God knows. Look, we can be mistaken on many other things in life and recover from it. Some some people are in in great financial difficulty. And, And we've had financial difficulties on a personal and a national basis for many, many years now. And some may be in a great financial difficulty. But I want to tell you, you can recover from that. Some people may have a a tremendous physical problem, but you can recover from that. Maybe you got caught in the housing market and you're upside down on a house. You can recover from that. You can still uh, uh, live life. You can still move on. And as serious as marriage is, there may be someone who has experienced a divorce, but you can recover from that. However, there is no recovery from false hope in eternal life if the hope for all of eternity is based on anything other than a personal relationship with god through jesus christ there is nothing else ahead for you to make it right or if it were me for me to make it right that's why the the word says behold now is the day of salvation we have no promise of tomorrow we have the promise of now and we can have the hope of eternal life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ now today well here's what we've seen we've seen a somber warning and a sobering reality let's close with this sad departure verse 23 then will I declare to them I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness first of all the declaration there's something ominous about hearing the news that we knew had been coming the tangibility of the news the letter the subpoena that that blood draining effect that it has on us my brother dennis coat is here in the service today and and Dennis is awaiting word that his father has passed from this life to the next. And Dennis's daddy is saved, and Dennis's daddy is 81 years old, and Dennis has had him for all of these years. Yet when the time comes, Dennis, it's still tough to lose your dad. There's something about not really wanting to hear the words. We don't want to hear it. And when we do, then we know it's real. The reason for my taking only these three verses from the Sermon on the Mount for today's text is to slow down long enough to plead with you to truly consider what words are going to be said to you at the end of this life. Depart from me, I never knew you. A welcome home. Well done, good and faithful servant. If there's a chance that you're not genuinely saved, this is something that must be settled. And I'm hoping that you'll take this declaration from Jesus as far more than a general declaration. I'm hoping that you'll take this as a personal note from Jesus today, delivered right to you by the Holy Spirit of God. And please, on a personal basis, uh, pray. It, It could be that he is talking to you in this. Is he speaking to your heart this morning? Here is where the sad declaration is leading. That is this destination. If those to whom Jesus is speaking must depart from him in that day, where will they go? where do you go when you have to depart from jesus i I will say this to you not being unkind to my catholic friends but the catholic doctrine has a purgatory there is no purgatory you you read the bible from generations to revolutions and you're not going to find a purgatory there is no purgatory in the bible so this there's no chance for a do-over there's no chance for praying you out of purgatory here's what happens. 2 Corinthians 5 eight. yes, we are of a good courage and, be, uh, and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That's one place. When this, when this life is over, in the presence of God we are. Here's where the lost go and on all the company they keep. Revelation 21 and verse 8, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, and sexual, uh, sexually immoral, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. No one would want to keep company like that for an eternity. We we wouldn't want that. I, I'm I'm afraid that I'm afraid that there are good people who really are a, a, just scared. Of making the right decision and scared of being public with their their announcement or that they need Jesus, who will continue to postpone it until the very last day and the last day leaves. Find people like us sit in services like this and hear the truth uh, like that, and and we walk out without making one step toward getting our unsettledness settled, and each time that that happens. They become a little more hardened. That was the other thing my daddy used to, to preach that scared me to death. He would say every time you reject the gospel, you get a little more hardened to the gospel so that it's easier the next time to, to uh, reject the gospel so that eventually your heart is so hard that the gospel falls on deaf ears. That used to frighten me. I don't want to be hardened to the truth of that Jesus loves me and died on the cross for my sins well there's one more thing to consider and that is determination Jesus sends these out to depart from him stating that he never knew them what an awful thought that people would fake their relationship for so long that they started to believe it themselves but they were determined to believe it. They pled with Jesus to remember them. Don't you remember what we've done? He said, here's what I remember. I never knew you. Yeah, but don't you remember how that we were leaders in our community and we were leaders in the church and don't you remember what a great dad I was and what a great mom I was and don't you remember how great a kid I was and what a good student I was in school and that I went to Christian school? Don't you remember that? And he said, here's what I'm remembering that I never knew you. I knew about you, you knew about me, but I never knew you. In his novel, A Painted House, John Grisham describes a Sunday school teacher eulogizing a mean character named Jerry Sisko. Jerry had been killed the night before in a, a back alley fight after he picked on one person too many. And in the <clears throat> words of the little boy, who had seen the fight with his friend, Dwayne, here's what he said. She made Jerry sound like a Christian, an innocent victim. I glanced at Dwayne, who had one eye on me. There was something odd about this. As Baptists, we had been taught from the cradle that the only way you made it to heaven was by believing in Jesus and trying to follow his example in living a clean and moral Christian life. And anyone who did not accept Jesus and live as a Christian life simply went to hell. That's where Jerry Sisko was, and we all knew it. If you're not certain of your standing with God this morning, I want to introduce you to Jesus in a simple yet eternal effective way i want you to invite jesus christ to be your lord and savior once and for all and not allow bashfulness embarrassment or anything else to keep you from knowing jesus christ as your personal savior You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.